0: everyone and welcome to another week of rotating reels i'm one of your hosts hank showalter and joining me today are my two co-hosts keegan tran
1: that's not a keegan it's a mecca keegan
0: <laughs> and taylor may hi every week man you gotta get more creative <laughs> um anyway this week is an A week for the podcast, which means we're going to be reviewing uh, one of the, the big blockbuster movies that's out right now. We're interviewing uh, Godzilla vs. Kong, which is available <laughs> on HBO Max, as well as in theaters, I believe. Uh, though someone correct me if that's not true. Um, so, what it are those? Just
1: surpassed 45 million, I think, in a five day box office uh, opening. So
2: pretty big. Wow, people are going to the theaters? Good for you. Exactly. You know,
1: I'm sure it's
0: a very exciting time to be in the cinema industry. Um, But so anyway, (laughs) that's going to be the main feature of today's episode. Uh, I'll read the the blurb once we get to the actual review of the movie. But before that, uh, we have a couple orders of business. So first of all, I am excited to announce that Rotating Reels is starting up our very own Patreon. Uh, So for those of you that don't know or may not know... Patreon is a service that allows you to pay a, uh, a monthly fee to content creators that you would like to support and in exchange for that you gain uh, you know bonus pieces of content that come along with your subscription. Uh, so the reason that we're doing this is uh, not that we want to start uh, monetizing the main podcast you know rotating reels uh, our weekly episodes are and always have been always will be free. Uh, the reason we're doing it is we want to produce a little bit of extra content um but we just need a little bit of support to make it more feasible, you know. Like some of these streaming services are not very cheap anymore, especially now that there's you know about two hundred million of them out there. Um, <laughs> and then you know it does take some time and effort uh, to get these things put together, as well as you know there's there's the incidental costs for graphic design and stuff like that. So anyway, uh, just looking for teeny little bit of support uh, to help us start putting out some extra midweek episodes, uh, and we're actually excited to release the first of those this week I'll uh, talk about what it's going to be at the end of this week's episode Um, and then we're hoping to start releasing one or two of those extra Patreon episodes uh, every month so just a little exciting thing if uh, any of you want to support us I believe that our support is going to be five dollars a month for subscribers and like I said that'll get you one to two extra Patreon episodes a month So keep your eye out on that. Uh, I believe we'll be putting the link to that Patreon in this week's description. Uh, Anything you'd like to add to that, Keegan, before I take us on?
1: Uh, No, I guess, well, we could take a minute. If we do get a sizable Patreon donation, what is the first subscription service that you guys would uh, tack on?
0: I feel like it's got to be Paramount, right?
2: yeah definitely like paramount. with all
0: the ads coming out, like oh, we have to I... know if it's any good, like if it's if it's bullshit, you know we need to take that money, find out, and then tell people so
2: or th- well, think about it this way, if the paramount uh subscription is more than five dollars a month, you can pay us to let you know if it's worth it, and if it's not, we'll tell you you save some money.
1: It's not a bad call, I would say it's kind of the lowbrow option though, gentlemen. I think criterion collection for a hundred a year, are you kidding me? You get director's commentaries. I think you get discounts on the Blu-rays. Come on. It's got to be Yeah,
0: forced. I mean, if we do, crit- I, I'd be happy to get Criterion Collection, uh, just with the caveat that the first Hank Week movie, after we get it, will be Solo or the 120 Days of Sodom. So, Ugh. you know.
2: <laughs> don't donate to our <laughs> Patreon.
0: Never mind. Yeah, don't do it. We don't, we don't want to do
1: that.
0: Um, so anyway. Yeah, so that's... Uh, just a taste of uh what our our picks might be i think taylor and i are staying firm on paramount plus but uh you guys can all find (laughs) out if you decide to to donate and if not that's fine too just keep checking out our weekly releases um but with that uh one last piece of business before we get to godzilla versus kong is as always we're going to talk about what we've been watching over the past week so i'm going to ask keegan to lead us in here uh what what have you been watching since our
1: last episode Uh, Yeah, it's been a fairly busy week. Uh, So I watched a bit of anime. Uh, So my partner's been watching a lot of Food Wars. I don't know if anyone's watched that before. Uh, The first season
2: is
1: (laughs) way better. Let me tell you. Basically, it's a cooking show made in anime. All of the money and the budget goes into making the food look as beautiful as possible. And every time someone eats the food. They just orgasm like crazy. So they just show people just like with spoons covering their privates, just exploding in joy, tasting this food. It's really graphic in the first season. And I think they kind of mellow it out to make it more digestible in later seasons. It's really fun. It's very, very digestible. And with anime usually only being like 20 minute episodes, it's like pretty easy to like, you know, consume two or three episodes in a row without really paying attention. Other than that, I didn't watch a lot of TV, I watched a short called Opal, so after I watched Bad Trip last week, I was kind of in an Adult Swim state of mind, and um, there's a short called Opal by Jack Stober, and he is a uh, an animator, he does a lot of stop motion and more like creative stuff, um, and he I think is in contract with Adult Swim to make short films for them. This is his most recent, and his whole collection just recently got uploaded to HBO Max, it's only a 12 minute movie. Um, it's really, really odd and surreal and kind of scary. I understand that the movie has like a little bit of a cult following online. And after watching it, I can definitely see why. I think there's a lot of buzz around the animator himself, but I think this is one of like the, the uh, things that he's made that is the most popular. So it's very weird, I won't say more about it, but it's a short called Opal, it's on HBO Max. If you're into like a little bit more horror, surreal, definitely recommend it. Uh, I watched an unnamed title that will be talked about in our Patreon episode. I watched it with the explicit means of bringing it up there, so uh, $5 a month, you can hear what I watched. Um, Two more things, Um, still very big on HBO Max it looks like, I watched a short documentary called The Last Cruise. And this is a documentary, it's about 40 minutes long, and it centers around the Diamond Princess, which was the last cruise to ever kind of take place during the COVID-19 pandemic. I've said in past weeks, I hate COVID-19 material. I think it's really, really boring. We're all living this, we all get it. But this cruise uh, had a lot of Americans on it. It took place starting in Japan and kind of went down Southeast Asia. So, uh, you know, if you launch on January 20th, starting from Japan, stop in Hong Kong, stop in Southeast Asia in Vietnam, you can imagine you're probably going to have some interactions with people that are very early COVID-19 contractors that are going to get onto the cruise. And I think they were stationed for three months outside of, I want to say they were in Japan off the coast there. And it's told all entirely through cell phone videos that people took. So half of it is through the eyes of um, different like people that were on the cruise so you have like a lot of american people that were just recording it nobody knew what this pandemic was uh originally starting as and then the other half is you have the crew which is all these like southeast asian people uh i believe they're either indonesian or malay and they're documenting like what it's like to be working through it so they're also going through the same precautions but also preparing for the food and working with the japanese authorities to make sure everything is under compliance when no one really knows what the the covid 19 virus is at this point um It's very, very harrowing. It kind of plays out like a found footage horror movie. Um, And it's a really, really exhausting ride. Uh, It's pretty tough because a lot of the american people on the boat are complaining that they have to stay in their room or that their food has clearly been sitting out all day and it's a little warmer than they'd like and their beef stew isn't quite you know it's a little more congealed than they'd want to eat it as Um, and so they're basically sitting there just like sitting ducks hanging out and you get to see the depictions of these southeast asian workers who are working for many of them under a thousand dollars a month slaving away 13 hours a month living in these very very cramped quarters while also you know regularly undergoing tests from the japanese government super harrowing really really scary and i think the stat that they give at the end is i think there was 2800 people on board including service and i think there were seven or 800 cases total of covid19 i think 15 of which resulted in death so Damn. very very scary um I think it really brought into the forefront like the reality of the COVID-19 pandemic in a way that the next thing I watched took it a little bit more playfully. Um, but I would recommend it. Like I said, it's only 40 minutes, and I think as far as documentaries go, it does a good job in just letting the footage really speak for itself. So something like Tiger King, where you know people get far too invested, the documentarian becomes kind of a character, or lets this cult of personality kind of take off. Uh, it's very hands-off there's not like a narrating voice there's some black text with or some some black cards with text that come in to move it along where there's like not footage to be provided uh, but really really interesting and really really scary
2: i want to watch that uh, that sounds great
1: yeah i mean if you have hbo it's, it's a must watch and you know 40 minutes very very consuming. yeah
0: it's an easy easy length definitely gonna keep my eye out for yeah that. <laughs> nice
1: And then the last thing I watched that was also 40 minutes was also covered by Taylor a couple weeks ago. I watched the South Park vaccination special, which is uh, pretty hilarious. And like Taylor said, I've been away from um south park for a couple years i was like really into it in middle school and high school and college and then just kind of dropped off not because i wasn't enjoying it but just because like it's just not a show i was going to regularly keep up with so i didn't know that mr Garrison became trump like you said like yeah. i didn't know that he like launches QAnon in their universe and this episode is crazy again a tight 40 minutes there's a lot of really fun story in it um And like you said, I kind of got down a rabbit hole. So I watched a couple other episodes, but the vaccination special is hilarious. The premise is that like Safeway is just a nightclub. There's a big bouncer outside gatekeeping and not letting people in. All these old people are having sex and driving motorcycles and just flipping everyone off because they are fully vaccinated and get to enjoy all all the things that we can't do right now. So super, super funny. Stark contrast to The Last Cruise, but both (laughs) really interesting artifacts of the COVID-19 pandemic on HBO Max.
2: Nice. I've actually kept up the little bit of South Park binges, because my partner had basically never seen any except yeah, maybe the first couple seasons. So, last night we watched uh, the the Book of Mormon. Which, oh yeah, yeah. Well, not not the, not the play, the the episode. I forget what it's called, but it's the Mormon one. It's like kind of where they started doing musical stuff. And I think tonight we're gonna watch um, the one with Chef's parents and the Loch Ness monster, which is my <laughs> favorite episode of all. Time. Oh my God.
0: Yeah. I have you seen that one, Keegan?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's that in World of Warcraft. Those are top tier. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 n-
2: yeah. I don't think I don't think my partner's seen that one. So I was like doing, I was like walking around like, <laughs> well, I gave him tree fitted a week before <laughs> and all that stuff. And she was like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" I was like, "Okay, okay, we'll watch. It's only twenty minutes. We'll watch. We'll watch."
0: I need to watch the vaccination special now. I gotta catch up with you guys on the South Park
2: it's good man they yeah. uh, i i feel i feel like they've gotten more political as time has gone on and because you watch some of those first seasons and there's definitely political stuff they're not like shying away from it but it's like not the core push of every episode and these last couple ones have been very political and they're really good i think they're they are i think i enjoy their political stuff more than just kind of their run of the mill mm-hmm. you know cartman cooks a kid's family into a soup and makes them eat it kind of stuff I
0: don't know. I did enjoy him eating the kids tears, but I I, I think I can, I I think I can see where you're coming from. (laughs) Nice. So Keegan, was there anything else on your, on your
1: weekly watch list? Um, I think there's actually one more thing. I watched the new episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, uh, and I don't like this show. (laughs) Like I really enjoyed the first two episodes and this last episode really cemented that it's just, it's, like a bad spy espionage thriller in my mind. And I don't think that's like a commonly held belief. I think people are enjoying the show, but I think given the sentiment of the other co-hosts on the show, how I think we all kind of like more subversive or more weird stuff. I think it's really hard to step into the show after just like loving WandaVision, which is fan. It's it's one of my favorite things in the whole Marvel lineup. So going from something that fantastic and well-made to something that's just like very, very formulaic is pretty tough. So I mean, I'm gonna keep up with it, but I'm really not enjoying it. <laughs> oh, oh no! Well, that's not a that's not a ringing endorsement.
0: I was considering trying to step in, but uh, I'm gonna hold off on that one. I think. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, with that then, Taylor, what have you been watching?
2: Well, I watched some some titles that will not be named because they're relevant for our uh, our first Patreon episode. So, more about that later um if you if you subscribe um and then i watched some more of rome which is doing a, a rewatch of hbo's rome um and it's just as good every time i rewatch it all the lines everything is just so perfect i don't even want to say anything about it i just want people to go watch it because you know, letting it reveal itself on on screen for you is i think the best way to to enjoy it um I also watched uh, more of Un Village Francaise, I don't speak any French, so my <laughs> accent's probably like a little teeny bit off, um, which is great too. It's one of the few uh, kind of soap opera-y dramas that I've, I've been able to get into almost ever, only because the the problems and tensions that the characters have to deal with are based on like real things like oh no they're you know taking all the businesses the jews own and now those jewish people don't have a livelihood and so it's like real actual problems you know and then there's relationship things that stem from that and everything else but like the main thrust is like real things so and the costumes are just Mwah. i just can't i even if the the dialogue was not as good as it is i would still watch it just because the costumes are incredible um and then lastly i watched Kati Kati. Um, which is a really, really interesting film. Um, so it's, it's, I don't even know how to describe it. It's sort of uh, surreal and sort of, of mythical almost. So basically it's, it's uh, the, the premise is that there are a bunch of people that are in something like uh, purgatory. They're in sort of an in-between place between life and, and the afterlife. Um, and they're, you know, coping with how they died or things that were left undone before they died. And they're all kind of hanging out in a resort. Um, And the, you know, the kind of cultural context is that it's set in, in, I think probably Kenya or East Africa. So it's, the language is really interesting. It's like sort of half in English, half in maybe Swahili. I'm I'm not sure. Um, But it's really, really interesting. So you sort of, you sort of get some, um, really really interesting visuals and the characters some of them don't know who they are so you kind of get to learn about who they are from their interactions with other people as they're trying to remember who they were before they died um so visually it's really really incredible it's sort of fantasy sci-fi with some uh, some aspects but um yeah i'd really really endorse it it's not very long either i think it's only 90 minutes or so maybe even a little bit less so um i think it's on amazon things where we watched it so definitely recommend that um, and then, otherwise, I just watched what we're we're here to review.
0: Nice. So you guys both have had a uh, pretty good uh, weeks of watching. I want to applaud you both for that after having some uh, recent light weeks. Um, so, clapping. Uh, there's that. There's the jab.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I had to work it in. Somehow. I live for your applause, thank you.
0: <laughs> Oh, I'm glad, Taylor. I'm glad. Um, So with that, I'm going to cover what I've been watching this week, uh, and then we can move into Godzilla vs. Kong. So I managed to have a fairly busy uh, watch week. Um, One thing I watched was a Netflix documentary series, or docu-series, called Murder Mountain, which is about a uh, mountain, or I don't know if it's actually a mountain, they they call it a mountain, but it's in Humboldt, uh, Humboldt County, California. And it's where they grow, like, a huge amount of the U.S.'s black market marijuana. Um, And so the documentary was just kind of, like, following the trials and tribulations of this outlaw marijuana-growing community in Humboldt County um, as they kind of, like, transitioned through the legalization of marijuana for recreational use. And then also it followed specifically a murder that happened within that community and the fallout that kind of you know followed from it um super well done uh the cinematography was amazing worth watching it just for the visuals but it's also super well paced uh kept me engaged all the way through it six episodes long at a uh, 40, 40 minutes an episode so not too bad in terms of length but uh Yeah, just totally worth a watch. Uh, If you're into docu-series at all, um, especially like kind of true crimey docu-series, definitely check out Murder Mountain on Netflix. That was a great watch. Um, Besides that, I've been keeping up on my watch through of The Mandalorian. And every episode I've seen so far has made me like it even more. It is so good. It's like the best parts of Star Wars married with the best parts of Firefly. um, And then with just kind of like a dash of you know, wild shenanigans thrown in for good measure. Um, really, I, I, I didn't even want to like The Mandalorian as much as I did. Like I said last week, I came in ready to be like, oh, it's not really that good. But um, <laughs> that's not, I, I just, I can't say that in good conscience. It's, it's, it's damn good. It's it's good stuff. Plus it's got Pedro Pascal in it and I like him and everything that he's in. You know, like he was the best part of Game of Thrones for me, even though he's a pretty small part there. Um so any anyway, you know. It, Mandalorian's awesome. Go watch the Mandalorian. Um What else? How far are you right now? I'm about halfway through season
1: two. Oh yeah. season would you agree season two while season one
2: is pretty good, is is far and away. So much Oh better. yeah, season two they I've heard the opposite. Oh, really? I've heard a lot of people tell me the opposite, that that season one was much better than season two.
0: Yeah. I know, like season two is like it definitely feels kind of more episodic to me. Um, you know, like, season one has, like, a pretty solid uh, through line from start to finish, and season two still has that through line. It's it's continuing it, but they have more self-contained episodes, in my opinion. And I like that, because no one does mm. that shit nowadays. Everyone's like, our series needs to, you know, have a continuity going on forever. And uh, I, I like a little episode, you know, like I, I like, I like thing-a-week type stuff, you know, monster-a-week or case-a-week or whatever it may be. So... Yeah, season two I like better than season one. Um,
1: so far, right. I got that's, a, it, I got that's a what a good Star Wars take you have right there. Is the last time you'll ever hear me say that to you, Hank.
0: <laughs>
1: you say that, but
0: uh, we're going to win Keegan over when we have our discussion of prequels versus sequels. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, but anyway, besides that, I think this next one Keegan will be happy to hear. I took him up on his suggestion. Uh, watched The Empty Man or Empty Man. I'm not sure if there's a the in the title, but the rest of the title is definitely Empty Man. It's a 2020 horror movie. And uh, true to my word, last week I didn't read anything about it going in, didn't even really read the blurb. Um, actually, that's not true. I did read the blurb because it came up when I was loading the movie up on Amazon Prime. But I didn't read like a listing of the cast or anything uh, didn't realize until the credits rolled that it had source material it was based on. So overall went in pretty blind, it's like two hours 15 minutes long. And uh, for like the beginning of the movie, I wasn't super sure. I was kind of like, yeah, you know, this is a horror movie. It's not bad, you know I'm enjoying it but uh then they just kind of kept going like there gets a point in the movie and I don't want to spoil anything, but there gets to be a point in the movie where you're like, how are they gonna carry this for another you know hour 45? And then they do. And, like, every time, you know, as it keeps going, you're like, oh, will they, won't, they? um, I, I can really only describe <laughs> it with those sound effects without spoiling it.
2: So, anyway. Yeah, don't spoil it, I want to watch. You know, uh,
0: pretty thoroughly impressed uh, pr- impressed with that one, uh, partially because it was a surprise. Um, really enjoyed it, would totally recommend it, especially to horror fans. Yeah. Um, that said, uh, due to like the recent deluge of pretty good horror, I don't think it's gonna make it into like my top horror movies of the past few years, but still a really, really solid entry. Um, and not not just solid in like an acceptable sense, you know, solid in, in such a way that like I would love to call it one of my favorites, but it didn't have quite that like, uh, you know, art house bullshittery that I like. Um, so (laughs) it it, it cost too much money to make, (laughs) yeah. You know, like
2: it was too refined, exactly.
0: It was too refined. They didn't, you know, like have any long camera shots just contemplating on the nature of suffering. Um, you know, uh, all in all, very watchable, totally a recommendation there. Um, and a couple other things I want to throw in here, even though they're not uh movies or uh television series, but I feel like they're really worth a mention. Um, I finished playing the game Yakuza zero today. This is the next game in my ongoing playthrough of the Yakuza series. Um, it took me a really long time. That that was like 75 hours of game for me. Like I, I put a lot of time in there Damn. and, uh, I cried at the end, man. That was that was good shit. <laughs> like, ooh. Like, I don't want to spoil too much. Like, like I don't think I even could because there's so many twists and turns that no matter what I said, I don't think it would mean anything if you, like, weren't at that point in the game. But um, it's really good stuff. Uh, we've joked here and there about a Patreon episode being just, like, Hank's walkthrough of the Yakuza series. Um, and I've been taking notes, so uh, that might happen someday. It's really good. If you haven't played any Yakuza games really entertaining, really awesome stories, really awesome side stories in all of the games. Um definitely worth your time uh if you're into kind of like Japanese crime movies and like that sort of aesthetic at all. Even if you don't have any experience with like the genre, I think the game is, you know, pretty self-contained. You can you can you can get into into them. Um so overall that
2: what style of game is it? Like a like RPG? Um
0: or... it's like uh kind of like an open world fighter with some like business management aspects and some RPG aspects. Um but then also there's like a little bit of like visual novel stuff where you're just like watching long dialogues and you'll like select a couple dialogue options there's a lot going on uh but overall like the most of the series is kind of like open world fighter type games like you go around from fight scene to fight okay, scene got it. unleash your cool combos um and it's really fun there's some pretty wacky moves in it um so anyway Beat that game, uh, needed a break before I go into the next Yakuza game. Because like I said, it was like 70 hours long. It was all of my gaming time. I wanted something a bit shorter to fit in. Um, And luckily, a remake of one of my favorite games of all time had just come out, Uh, Disco Elysium, the final cut. It's the extended edition of the modern classic Disco Elysium. I started playing through it again just uh, as soon as I beat it, as soon as I beat Yakuza 0. And oh my fucking god, Disco Elysium. Like, I've been trying to get Taylor, one of my co-hosts, to play it. It's like Hi, I'm I'm Taylor. Yeah. Yeah. He's Taylor. But anyway, if if you haven't played Disco Elysium,
1: Low energy. it's
0: uh it's an it's a role-playing game. <laughs> it's uh really, really well written. Um I, I can't say too much because like talking even about like the setting of the game can kind of be a spoiler, but it's kind of like a really well written political crime comedy game um with heavy heavy emphasis on player choice like depending on how you allocate your skill points the dialogue in the game and the narration of the game can be very very substantially different a very large portion of what i've seen on this playthrough of the game i never saw in my initial playthrough of the game and i i played it pretty extensively back then (laughs) so uh cannot emphasize enough how cool disco elysium is i know it's not a movie or a tv show but i just had to throw it out there um but so anyway that kind of concludes uh, what i've been doing with my free time this week you know watching and playing um and with that i think it's about time to get on to godzilla vs kong if my if my co-hosts agree
2: let's do it
1: yeah i'm i will say hank i'm so happy you like the empty man i feel like i really got to finger on the pulse of what, what what makes a good hank movie i think you know it was about 10 million dollars over budget i think it need to be a little bit weirder but <laughs> i think i got you back man i think i know what makes a good recommendation for you yeah well you know
0: you'll have to give me a couple extras and i'll i'll rate each of them and we can figure out how good you are at this yeah we could calibrate. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. no, I, I was glad I liked it, too. You know, that those first 30 minutes, I was like, am I going to have to go back to Keegan and be like, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about, you idiot. <laughs> um, and luckily, the, that didn't happen. Um, actually, I did it off air before the show started, and Keegan told me I couldn't say that to him uh, for the actual podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
2: These are all fake laughs, right? I'm very fragile. No, yeah. I'm, I'm
0: joking. I actually did really enjoy it and do recommend it. But with that... Let's get in to Godzilla vs. Kong. Um, I really quickly, I'm going to read the IMDb blurb for the movie. Um, then we'll talk about the movie in broad sense. Uh, no spoilers. Uh, we'll tell you when we're moving into spoiler territory, and we'll kind of close off this episode talking about spoilers of the movie, and all the hosts will give it a rating. So that blurb I mentioned is right here, and it reads... The epic next chapter in the cinematic monster verse pits two of the greatest icons in motion picture history against one another, the fearsome Godzilla and the mighty Kong with humanity caught in the balance. So...
2: Oh, no, that's us. Oh, oh shit.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, I, uh, you know, I I watched this movie and... uh, was really surprised to find that humanity was caught no not really there there were no surprises in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh anyway, uh now that the blurb's out there, no spoilers guys. I want to ask what were your most general thoughts on the movie? Taylor, start us off. Keegan got to do his watch week first.
2: Man, uh, I just I've been thinking about what I wanted to say and cuz I knew you're going to ask my initial take and Visually, yeah, it's incredible. The CGI is just amazing. Like that's—I don't think that's there's any debate about that. And a lot of it's fun. There's some fun moments, but the characters are so stupid. Like, the, like the actual intelligence of the characters is very stupid. And at other times, they're superheroes. So there's just one little bit. I don't—I won't spoil anything. But just one thing I think really encapsulates this. So we got one of our characters. He's a goofy professor. And, you know, some stuff happens and all of a sudden uh, he, they're in an emergency and he has to fly a sort of spaceship type thing. And all of a sudden he's just flying it a thing, a spaceship that nobody knew existed until yesterday. Literally, it was a top secret. This dude flies it in just 60 seconds. We never even get an explanation. No one even says, hey, what happened to the pilot? All of a sudden, he's just flying the thing because that's what needed to happen to move the story forward. And that is just like my biggest complaint, is that the characters are either totally stupid ignorant of everything or they're superheroes capable of doing whatever we need them to do they just whatever needs to be done to push the plot forward so we get those awesome awesome fight scenes that's what these characters do and I just I wonder did they have to do that is there no way we could have had Godzilla and King Kong fight each other without having a totally ridiculous characters a plot that is totally worthless and throwaway? like everything in the movie is just to get to those awesome fight scenes and they are awesome but everything else is just so painful. So that was kind of my reaction. I just, I just kind of felt bad watching these characters say their lines because I, I love the cast. I love a lot of these actors, and it's just so sad to see them in, in those kind of roles. So I don't know. That's, that's what I felt. Kind of a bummer, I know. I didn't want to say it like that. Yeah, but... so broadly
0: speaking, we get a thumbs down from, from Mr. May here. Keegan, do you have a, uh, a competing opinion?
1: yeah i mean i've been shaking my head on camera this whole time that taylor speaking and i was i was kind of hoping that taylor would get to do his watch week first so i would get to do my initial thoughts first because i was going to start out and say that every single godzilla movie or like kaiju movie in general the review goes the exact same way and i don't begrudge taylor for saying this i don't think he watches a lot of these movies but it's always the same thing right the fights are awesome the cgi is phenomenal but I just don't care about the human characters. Everyone's dumb. It's not interesting. I just want to watch them fight, man. And I get it. I think it's... I 100% agree. Nothing about these movies is ever compelling because there's well-written human drama. I think there's some exceptions, right? The 1954 Godzilla. Something like Shin Godzilla, which has some satire of you know political bureaucracy, right? There's a lot of really interesting things in that. This is not that movie, right? This is a expensive Warner Brothers production that's very much just to set the stage of these two characters fighting. And I get it. It's not really fun to trudge through the rest of the other stuff that's the human characters. But it's the way I always think about it as maybe not an expert on the genre, but maybe a little bit more of a genre fan than you guys. It's like, what makes The weekend so good, right? You get two-sevenths of your week is really awesome. It's Badass. That's your full on Hong Kong battle, neon. It's great. But it's only good in contrast because you got to have, you had to work for five days, right? It's like eating candy for every single meal. If we had Kong and Godzilla fighting for the full, you know, two hour runtime, it would really suck and it would get really boring. We have to have a little bit of contrast stuck in there to make it somewhat interesting. So, enough kind of, you know, trash Taylor's thought. I think it's not completely unfounded the things that he's saying. I will say, though, I just pulled up the other reviews that we've done, and I think this is my favorite A-week review of all Rotating Reels history. I'm a pretty big Godzilla fan, as is. Um... So this is not a huge surprise, but this is really, really good, really, really good Godzilla action as far as you know recent movies go. I last week watched Godzilla versus or Godzilla King of the Monsters, not really that interesting. It's just like an okay entry, and this absolutely blows it out of the water. We get backstory on our kaiju's. We get to humanize our kaiju's a little bit. Man, this is really, really fun stuff for the genre, and we get some surprises in there. Maybe we get to see some some other entries from the genre sneaking in and, and making some fun appearances. I agree. There's some really dumb you know, writing for some pretty good actors, right? You have Eleven from Stranger Things, and you have Kyle Chandler. Really, really misused, but overall, I think this is a really fun movie. Most people are going to be watching it at home. So if you already if you already have HBO Max, this is like a very easy Friday night movie night recommendation. If you're not fully vaccinated, this is not the movie to rush you out to theaters immediately, right? But overall, this is a really really fun watch, and I would definitely recommend checking it out.
0: Yeah. Okay. So we have two pretty contrasting opinions here. Um, <laughs>
1: balance us out. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Break the tie. Uh,
0: okay. <laughs> um, So I, I, I'm just going to say it. Uh, I came into this movie ready to love it. You know, I like stupid, you know, big fights. I like explosions. I like King Kong. I like Godzilla. Um, I was so ready to like it. I was like, you know what? It's a kaiju movie. You know, the human drama is never that interesting. It just moves us from fight scene to fight scene. You know, it's a bit of a trudge. But oh my fucking God, like the the (laughs) non-kaiju stuff in this movie was such a slog to get through. It wasn't like I'm transporting you from scene to scene. Like there was just so much fat in there. I really felt like they're trying to get like some sort of like a Marvel cinematic universe effect where they had like a bunch of different like plot lines going on. But a solid number of those plot lines did not matter at all to me. Like, you could cut them out of the movie, and even if it made less sense, I would have preferred the movie with them cut out. And, like, not because I only wanted the fight yeah. scenes. Like, to be fair, I did kind of only want the fight scenes. But, like, <laughs> sorry, Millie Bobby Brown. Like, your whole plot line straight up fucking sucked. Like, you know, like, there was not <laughs> a good scene in that entire plot line. It was not integral to the movie. Most of the movie would have moved along just fine without it. Uh, You know, like another thing too is even though i love the cast like you know was du- it
2: comic relief like what what
0: wh- i i mean we're gonna have to get to it in spoilers because there, there there's yeah. some specific things i need to say about that plot line
2: <laughs> but i mean
0: just just such fat that was able to be trimmed there and then on the note of the cast like not to talk shit to anyone there that, that most of the, the there were some good casting decisions made or like at the very least they got some of the best actors they could have gotten but you know kong skull island had dwayne the rock johnson and godzilla uh 2014 or whatever had brian cranston amongst others and then like you know we just didn't get anyone that charismatic in this movie you know like in those movies like the human plots weren't that strong but you know they were there were really, really charismatic actors that, you know, like, I, I'd, watch, I'd watch anything with Dwayne The Rock Johnson in it, you know, like, who wouldn't? Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, just this movie didn't have any of that star power either. So like, in addition to the plot writing being terrible, and the dialogue being terrible, and like the human parts being kind of slow there was no one charismatic on screen enough to even make it palatable to me so i came into this movie really prepared to like it and i came away with a pretty sour taste in my mouth
1: um, and i'm really sad to say ooh, that ooh 2 to yeah.
2: 1 2 to 1 keegs oh
1: it's star wars all over again but the inverse <laughs> this is oh my god all right whatever let's do this <laughs> yeah. so... i just
2: there's i just i just did it have to I, you're right, Keegan. I'm not a huge a huge fan of the genre. Not that I don't like it. I just haven't watched a lot of the movies. And so maybe there's a good answer for this. But why can't they have dialogue that is at least somewhat reasonable? Like why do why does the human drama why does the human drama have to be dumb and stupid? I would
1: say so. You know, if you want to use again, like a more so. Shin, i think hank has seen shin godzilla that's like the most upper echelon that the genre has to offer so maybe if you want to scale down from there and say something like a little bit better that has slightly better character writing something like pacific rim one which was made by guillermo del toro or i think it was produced by del toro he had a pretty big hand in the movie i just feel like even having that much better of character writing doesn't really contribute to making the the fights that much better because like you said i think like Your argument is that, like, the best thing about the movie is just watching them fight. So I agree that, like, maybe it softens the blow if the the dialogue isn't as complete as. But I also don't think it elevates it that much if you put in the extra effort. So I don't know. I don't want to be defensive of Warner Brothers at all. But I just don't think that, like, that's where any of the energy was going. And I don't think that putting the extra effort there would have really helped
2: at all. Hmm interesting okay all right well we we i think it's spoilers especially we can get into some of these like particular yep. decisions about why was this plot in the movie Yeah. i guess
0: my main point is not even so much that i think that the human plot should have been better i just think that you know whoever was making the movie should have seen how ass they were and they should have realized like no one would have been offended <laughs> if they just cut some of that out like if we're already saying it's garbage you know just throw out some of the
2: garbage you know like... <laughs> what was the? I'm gonna look it up. I'm gonna look up the budget because that that's the part that I just can't get over. Is that okay? So the budget was 155 to 200 million dollars is the estimate, right? How are you gonna spend hundreds of millions of dollars and have lines in the movie that are just nonsense? Like any person, if they heard someone else in real life say that, they would say. The fuck is the matter with you? Why did you say that? But in the movie everyone's like, Yeah, good point point. and they all just like go <laughs> on go about their way. And it's just like, How are you gonna spend that much money? That that's the part that just blows my mind. That they could they could do that. Again, I, I feel like the trappings of the
1: genre really come into play here, where, like, I think a couple of weeks ago, I just watched Mothra versus Godzilla, where that's really, really bad. I think, I've, I've been there, man. I did my time. I was in the trenches of the <laughs> worst years of Toho, Godzilla, and, you know, like, Son of Godzilla and stuff, so I think I'm coming from, I think it's all relative to what you've watched in the past, so, like, if you haven't watched that many, it's like, oh, this is trash, but I, this writing is a godsend <laughs> compared to some of the Japanese stuff that we had from, like, the oh. 70s. so that's a horrible endorsement for those movies yeah
2: that didn't i didn't really sell me but okay (laughs) yeah taylor's not going to go educate himself now (laughs) um If this was a good example of writing in the monster genre, then I feel very bad for the monster genre. Cause I feel like, <laughs> cause you are know, talking about like putting more effort into making the character development better and stuff, but that seems to be low hanging fruit. Like not amazingly complex characters with all kinds of motivations and stuff, but just not saying nonsensical things. That's like, okay, there's a scene where, no, I won't do it. We'll get into spoilers. I'm so excited to see
1: what the slide is.
2: Yeah. It's just bonkers. I, I had to stop the movie. I had to stop the movie and just, and just sit for a moment that that was something that a $200 million film put on screen.
1: I'm going to go take so. a rage shit, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to hash this out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Thanks for that, Keegan. Um, I guess it sounds like we have a lot of thoughts that are really only suitable for the spoiler section, and I honestly... I believe that anyone that has listened this far has gotten everything they can out of what we can say about it without saying spoilers. It looks great. None of us think the human drama is that good. Some of us (laughs) think that is more forgivable. Um, but, you know, that that's that, that's 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 all there is that we can say without spoiling it. You know, like, of course it looks great. You know, like, they, they had the money to make it look great. They had the money to get, you know, decent actors to deliver a, a god-awful script. Um, does anyone have anything else they can say that won't spoil the movie? Or should we move into that spoiler section?
2: They they did Alexander Skars, Skarsgård 30. Because he's, like, a goofy cute guy in real life and he plays a goofy cute guy in this movie and that was just a terrible choice he does best when he plays brooding angry guys which is a total 180 from him in real life it appears and so just to see him be his like goofy like you know it's like he's getting interviewed on the view like that's that was that was the personification <laughs> of the character and it was just like man come on he can do so much better that's all yeah. i want to say i, I, I can't agree. let scars guard get, get get away with that
1: Do I, I mean, do I believe that handsome guys can't be smart? No. But do I believe that Alexander Skarsgård with his child-sized medium t-shirt could be (laughs) a professor? (laughs) Not particularly. His beauty is wanted elsewhere.
0: (laughs) I think that's fair. And I guess one other thing I can say without spoiling the movie is... um... Oh, I I feel like I shouldn't say this. I feel like it's kind of (laughs) mean. But, uh... So the movie kind of sets up this whole, like, blue and red, like, color dichotomy thing. It looks very artistic. And they just pull it off so terribly. Like oh my god like they have blue and red lights throughout the movie and then they just muddy them up with all these other neon lights that are not like on the blue or the red end of the spectrum there's like pink lights yellow lights green lights and so it's really weird because the whole time you feel like there's like kind of supposed to be this like blue and red color palette sort of deal going on and they just don't commit to it at all and it makes it really visually confusing and uh it was kind of like almost like a little bit disorienting to watch because it because of it because like visually i was always kind of expecting something to happen one way and then it was just this of random colors on the screen and it kind of reminded me of watching the hobbit trilogy um not in 3d where it was really clear that it had been shot for 3d and you're like why did you even let me do this to myself like it was like hard to watch so anyway uh even though it looks great i did take issue with that color choice um
2: that's yeah. a no. That, that's a that's a real. Listen, listeners, you're getting some real, edumacated, nuanced film opinions here because that was something I felt when I was watching it, and didn't even it didn't come to me to. Like, because I, I felt that disorientation in the, the joint fight scenes between the two of them, where the color felt weird and confusing, but I didn't even think of it. So thank you, Hank. Thank you for being a big brain on the podcast. <laughs> That's uh, Hank's big
0: brain minute for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> now then, with that, I'm going to take the liberty of moving us off into the spoiler section. So we're going to take a quick uh, step away from our mics, you know, grab some water, um, you know, do our hair, the the usual podcast host things and then we'll be back (laughs) to discuss the movie with spoilers for every part of the plot that we care to talk about um i really anticipate that that's going to be interesting so stick around with us and we'll be right back and we're back uh you're still with rotating reels and we're getting ready to go into our spoiler discussion of kong versus gods no godzilla versus kong I've been getting that backwards so many times in my day to day life Um, but anyway, the spoiler (laughs) review of Godzilla vs. Kong so uh, as I think you've probably gleaned from the the first half of this episode, the hosts here at Rotating Reels have some pretty divided opinions on this movie Uh, I was almost personally offended by it Taylor seemed to not enjoy it that much (laughs) and Keegan thinks it's a pretty good example of the kaiju genre so um, we've got We've got the uh the real spectrum here. Um, and uh I just wanna lead us in. Uh normally I would give one of my co-hosts an opportunity to go off on one of their own tangents, but this time it's gonna be a Hank tangent. I'm just gonna lead us in on the uh two kids and an older man plot line. Um What the what the <laughs> fuck happened there? So like Millie Bobby Brown and like her Kiwi <laughs> friend or whatever, they make friends with an older conspiracy theorist who then starts taking them on a trip around the world (laughs) that ends with them in Mechagodzilla's cage? Like, was that supposed to be endearing? Like, that, that was terrifying, just imagining these two, like, high school kids being indoctrinated by this conspiracy theorist and then dragged into various dangerous situations, <laughs> and then somehow they're, like, kind of important to everything being okay. Like, that's not a good thought to me. Uh, I thought that whole plotline was appalling. I thought the acting was terrible throughout, except for the creepy older man, who was actually kind of funny. Um, but overall... Just completely awful, and also I think you could have cut the entire plot line from the film, and it would have been more or less intact. Like even the fact that they like discovered Mechagodzilla they could have just unveiled Mechagodzilla when he showed up to fight. And I think it actually would have been cooler than them seeing Mechagodzilla like, beat on some lesser kaiju. Um, so overall, I thought that was some dumb shit. Um, it really bothered me because it was a significant portion of the movie's runtime, and I didn't think there was almost anything good about it. Um, counterpoints? Thoughts?
1: <laughs> no, I, I cannot actually... defend that at all. Yeah, go ahead, Taylor.
2: I actually liked it. I what liked it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Get ready for this. I liked it only because of that Kiwi kid. If he, I don't know if he's actually from New Zealand or Australia. He is, yeah. So, he was in Deadpool. It's the same, he's really good. It's the same place. It doesn't matter. Um, but uh, sorry to our two New Zealand fans, um, the entire population of New Zealand. We have great market <laughs> penetration in New Zealand. Um, but uh, they're not even on maps. But um, I thought he was great because he was the only one saying shit that I was thinking like there's all kinds of crazy stuff going on and he goes that seems like a bad idea or that seems weird to like get in the Elon Musk hyperloop shipping container thing with weird face hugger things in it. He was the only one saying shit that was what I would be saying if I was in the movie. So I liked him in there for that. And I also felt like the three of them really kind of represented humanity right now. There's a lot of crazy shit going on. Everyone's just trying to do their best, just trying to figure it out. Some people have gone totally insane, but they're all still doing their best. And I thought those three people kind of were reality at this moment and being held together by crazy conspiracy theorists and the, the kid from Stranger Things. Taylor, yeah. you, you know, like uh, movie? It sounds like you enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, I did, I did. I, I at first, I, well, okay, so I enjoyed it because of the Kiwi Kid. And I I do wonder if there's a significant portion of this movie that is very irresponsible on Warner Brothers part, because I I forgot to say in what I've been watching this week. I watched Journey to the Center of the Earth with uh, Brendan Fraser, which is a delight. It's a kid's movie. It's totally camp, but it's hilarious. And it does a lot of the things well that this movie does not do well, which this movie addresses hollow earth theory and all kinds of other crazy conspiracy stuff. And with, like, some air of legitimacy, which, you know, it's a movie about Godzilla and King Kong. So we've already established this is total fiction bonkers. But I, I you know, I'm watching and I'm thinking, you know, 10 years ago, it would have been totally fine to include the crazy conspiracy theorist guy. But now, some people might watch this and be like, dude, I knew King Kong was living in Hollow Earth. I knew <laughs> it. It was in the movie. Of course it's real.
0: Yeah, you see, that's a fair point. Like, the conspiracy theorist guy, like, he would have been funny in The X Files, but, like, this is. Like your uncles and aunts now. Like th- this isn't a character yeah. in a movie anymore, man. <laughs> like, uh, yeah,
2: it's too close to home.
0: Yeah, like it would be funny if Hank, if I didn't I... know people saying that shit. Yeah.
1: <laughs> hey, I was gonna say in the in you were talking about when you kicked off spoilers that you think that entire premise could be deleted, and I, I mean, I I blacked out a little bit during the Hong Kong fight just because I was like I just could not. Be fucked to care about the human drama at all. But it, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think that that plotline did anything that affected the storyline. Like no, it didn't, I, not did not I think a thing. That they like even when they were fumbling around the computer room, they got locked out of the controls from Mechagodzilla, Godzilla, and they just completely just sat there and watched. And then later they came down. Like I mean, I think that the the Alexander Skarsgård story had real impact because they they bring Kong yeah. back. But the Millie Bobby Brown stuff is completely unrelated. That's just like. Those are just fun actors that you know, right? This is the kid from Deadpool. This is the kid from Stranger Things. Like, have fun.
2: Yeah, exactly. No, the the whole plan, the whole plan was that kid was gonna guess the password to the satellite <laughs> that controlled Mechagodzilla, and then they couldn't figure out the password, so they just watched instead. That was what they did. Yeah, it, that's that's yeah. more or less
0: exactly why I said that the whole plot line could have been cut from the movie because I don't think anyone would have noticed. Um, Except for you yep. know, like if they watch through the movie back to back, they might be like, "Wow, the second time that with the shorter runtime, that was a better movie."
1: You should send <laughs> that one to the theaters. Um, I will say though, the Alexander Skarsgård story—that for a human story in a in a movie—that is you know whether or not you think he's miscast, I think that's really fun. Like they have these like glowing orb hyper technology spaceships that follow Kong as he descends thousands of miles and falls and he's fine and they follow him and he goes to this like Coliseum of Kong E's monsters and finds Thor's hammer. Like, okay, one of my favorite YouTube videos of all time is this guy reviewing the entire Fast and Furious trilogy or franchise and saying how like people think that it's not that good but it's actually really fun and he shows what some of the scenes where they jump between skyscrapers in dubai and he says are you seriously telling me that you're too good for this shit <laughs> like how do you have alexander skarsgard in a spaceship following kong as he's killing and eating dragons slurping their brains out of their heads and then gets <laughs> thor's hammer in an effigy to his old kong relatives jumps between gravity planes and then jumps through the entire goddamn earth to fight godzilla in hong kong how did you guys not just instantly fall in love with this movie
0: i i i have a few reasons actually uh you know the thing is like i would normally love a lot of those elements you know kong fighting dragons and like getting a dope-ass axe and fighting off godzilla with it all sounds great on paper and the way you describe it keegan like i almost fell <laughs> in love with the movie but to actually see it on screen they go to like this like nebulous dream sequence from a video game version of hollow earth where there's like two living things and they're dragons and kong kind of like swats them and then finds the axe that we have no reason why we're like we have no idea why the fuck that axe is there like we didn't know it was we knew there was going to be a power source in the hollow earth but like where'd the axe come from what's the effigy no explanation there and then godzilla takes the axe home and doesn't even fucking use it like i if like (laughs) correct me if i'm wrong but brings the axe back blocks like a couple laser hits with it right doesn't ever hit he gets godzilla in the leg gets godzilla in the leg and then tears mecha godzilla's head off with his bare hands like why did he need the axe (laughs) like like it was so cool watching him fight godzilla and mecha godzilla except for the fact that it was kind of weird because like none of the buildings fell over um but um (laughs) like like they just did like the worst version of everything they could have done with the trip to the hollow earth for me it was like watching if they took like the really boring scenes from peter jackson's king kong you know like like just like the adventure shots like where they don't have any creatures in them and then they took out all the cool landscape from that that's hollow earth okay and then (laughs) instead of the cool creatures they had like two reused generic dragon assets Uh, so anyway the the reason I didn't really fall in love with it was because they took like a concept that could have been really cool they under explained it and then they half-assed the whole thing in execution and that's my take
2: I that's so I I was confused when it appeared that the Kong monkeys or apes uh, were much more intelligent than we thought they were Right, and they had, like, built all these statues and the stonework and stuff. So I was, like, a little confused, but I was going with it. But the thing that I could not go with was that Alexander Skarsgård was flying a hypership that literally the day before he didn't know existed. Like, what happened to the pilot? Because at first they got pilots. I'm like, all right, they got some secret pilots. Fine, whatever. But then... But then somehow one of the I think he dies something happens I don't know and all of a sudden it's just Alexander Skarsgård in there and all the other characters that we don't know have all disappeared and it's just the main crew in the one ship again, and it was it was just like why why that that's that's the stuff that doesn't there's no plausible explanation for why Alexander Skarsgård can fly this ship, he doesn't need to be flying it but for some reason he's flying it just to make it simpler for us.
1: Nah, you're cutting too deep. That's, you know, you're thinking too much about it. It's, you can poke holes all you want this movie. I was thinking to y'all, I was like, how the fuck are there volcanoes facing each other? If supposedly <laughs> there's this orb inside, where's the magma coming from? Whatever. It's stupid. There's no way Alexander Skarsgård has
2: a PhD. It's gonna fall <laughs> apart under the lightest scrutiny. Who cares, right? You're I don't getting know if these... it has to though. I don't know if it has to. That's that's like because you know I've never made a movie. I'm speaking from a place of total ignorance, and I'm and I'm okay doing that because it's 2021 and we can just do that. Yeah, right. and Ke- <laughs> and Keegan. <laughs> and...
0: Oh, sorry, Taylor, but. No, yeah, building ahead. on that, like, sure, it's going to fall apart under, like, the lightest scrutiny. I'm comfortable with that. I came here ready to turn my brain off, see some cool fight scenes. But, like, honestly, the fight scenes in this movie, like, when they're fighting around all those skyscrapers, they break a bunch of windows, but they knock, like, two buildings over the whole time. Like, what the fuck is that? Godzilla's the size of the goddamn city. Okay, why haven't any buildings fall o- fallen over? When they're in Hollow Earth, it's like, it's like a prototype asset of a landscape like it looks like nothing there's two creatures they're they're just like total mosquitoes to kong like i would be happy turning my brain off if the action was really really good and honestly i think the technology behind the action was really really good but i think the action was uninspired
1: no, this is the Hank that's been playing too much Yakuza. You know what? You've been spoiled lately with very good character modeling and very good fighting. You know, I agree, right? You see them fall into buildings all the time. You never see any buildings actually down. By the end of the fight with all three monsters, there's still way too many buildings standing in Hong Kong. It's not a big island. Like, there's not enough islands, or there's not enough towers to reasonably be still standing. That's fine. But. I don't know. I think you. I don't know. I, my suspension of disbelief is already so high that I'm fine with it. I agree. That he doesn't interact with much stuff when he's in Hollow Earth, but it's still entertaining to see him kill the dragons, right? I don't know. Maybe I'm just like complete smooth brain. This was enough to satiate me, but I just. I feel like I very clearly differentiate the kinds of Godzilla movies. I keep coming back to it, right? But I know, Hank, you love this movie. I, you have your Shin Godzilla's where it's going to be really serious. It's going to have any kind of like, you know, there's going to be. Good character writing, it's gonna have a greater message. You're gonna think about the movie long after you've watched it, and then there's like the modern American ones, right? Like I could say that this movie's gonna be way more fun to revisit than Kong School Island, Godzilla 2014, Godzilla King of the Monsters, any of the new Warner Brother properties, in my opinion. it completely scratched the itch of, like, stupid fighting. Maybe if I watched it in theaters, I wouldn't have been as pre- impressed, right? Like, I paid full price. I'm sitting in a dark movie. I just, you know, commuted to watch a two-hour movie where the dialogue was terrible. But I'm at home. It's pretty low stakes. I already paid for the subscription service. I think that, like, the action was enough to keep me involved.
2: Man, you're t- you're talking like a surf or some shit. You need to demand better, right? You just said the whole reason this movie is okay is that it's like the weekend that you get for the work week man that i agree man man i just can't get <laughs> behind i can't get behind that because de- i look i i when i watched the journey to the center of the earth the cgi it was terrible and i was like that was the best they could do in you know 2004 or 3 or whatever it was right so like i'm willing to make allowances for a lot of shit it just feels like the things this movie did terribly the dialogue especially could have been done at least reasonably well without you know prohibitive difficulties i guess and and so the one line that i wanted to say before we got to spoilers i didn't get to say oh yeah i think i think this will this will kind of clear it up right so we got the fleet that's escorting the giant ship with kong chained to it right to go to antarctica to get into hollow earth right so we got a hell of a fleet. We got two aircraft carriers, right? I don't know how the U.S. has, what, like 12, something like that. Each one's got a couple thousand dudes on it. We got all the accessory ships. We got, it's an, we have tens of thousands of people around this giant fucking monkey in the middle of the Southern Ocean, right? And we see the Admiral, presumably. We never, no one ever talks to him, like, about his title or name or anything. God forbid a character would get a name. But... So he's just standing there. He's clearly the guy in charge. He's talking to Alexander Skarzard, who's a PhD formerly in a basement until 10 minutes ago. And he's saying that we got some warnings about where Godzilla's territorial waters are. So we have it all mapped out where he goes, and we know how we're going to avoid it. And then they get an alarm that all of a sudden Godzilla is coming towards them, right? So this guy is in charge of tens of thousands of people. He's talking to this PhD guy who he's treating as some sort of expert about this. And the alarm's going off. And, oh, he's on the ship where Godzilla, where King Kong is, right? So right below this guy is a, you know, 200-foot monkey, right? And he looks at Alexander Skarsgård and he says, as the alarms are blaring, should I be concerned? yes motherfucker yes you should be concerned all of this is very concerning oh
0: my god yeah no i agree with you and that just reminded me of another thing that i felt was incredibly disturbing about this film careless even which was the uh the girl indigenous to skull island i don't remember her name very small girl she's the only one that can communicate with kong Why the fuck is she on this expedition? Like, who allowed her caretaking to be like, yeah, some strange scientist woman finds you on Skull Island. You're hers now. You go everywhere with her. Like, even if you have a military parent, you're not going to, like, all of their
1: missions with them.
0: And she's not even military. She's, like, a scientist. Like... I I don't know. Like
1: uh, I, I should ask. Who was that girl? The entire movie. Who was movie, that girl? I was questioning: Is Rebecca Hall the white woman? This girl's mother? Am I meant to believe that that is her daughter because she cares for her like that? Or is this adopted? Where did she find this girl?
2: Literally, that knows the implication. Side language. Like that the implication is commune? that. This this girl is the last one of her people, and this scientist lady found her, so she gets to keep her. Finders <laughs> keepers. Yeah, that was very God. confusing, guys. You know what? I
1: I don't want to keep making excuses for this movie again. If you guys were to sit down and spend the hour and a half to watch Godzilla versus Mothra, the entire premise of that movie is that there are two women the size of a shoebox. They are twins, and they're Japanese, (laughs) and their entire presence is to speak with Mothra because they came from Mothra Island. They could speak to the cocoons, and they could speak to Mothra, the the entity, and they sing, and that's all they do, and the main characters carry them around in a shoebox, and the entire (laughs) human element of that movie, which is, let me remind you, pretty well regarded in the Godzilla fandom, is different Japanese businessmen taking them to different Different people opening a shoebox, and these two Japanese <laughs> twins—a really bad 1970s CGI pop up and sing to them. So you know what? I'm gonna take what I can get. Okay?
2: <laughs> why are they? In a sh- why are they so tiny?
1: Because they try to. Some guy tries to steal them earlier. It's crazy.
2: <laughs> but why? Why do they have to be tiny? <laughs> it's. Uh, uh, I just. I, that. That's what's. That's what's upsetting is that. It seems like those things, like to not do those things, seems easier than (laughs) doing them. Like, why did they do it? Yeah,
1: I would say, I think Adam Wingard, the guy that directed this, he also did the the Death Note movie. And I feel like he is a guy that gets pretty, like, wrapped up in the source material. Like, he kind of came from, like, the indie horror movie genre. And I think he really just, like, he's kind of like a method direct- director, in my opinion, where he's like, I'm going to take all this camp and I'm going to put it in my $200,000 Godzilla movie. 200000000 Two hundred million. I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> if it was two hundred thousand, Hank would have loved it. He would have been floored by how good this movie
0: was. <laughs> yeah, if it was two hundred thousand, I would have been like, "Oh my God, how did they? How did they afford a writer that can, you know, put this together?" No, <laughs> no. I,
2: I,
1: mean, <laughs> I will say, I, I don't know where we're, I don't know where our thoughts are. I have a conspiracy theory before we go into final thoughts about this movie. But I don't want to sidetrack. If you guys have any other things you want to get into,
2: I'm ready. I'm ready to wrap it up. If you are okay, yeah. Let's hear the Hank. conspiracy theory.
1: All right. So for anyone that's, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, either you know us and you feel sympathetic and you go, hey, Keegan really will not stop texting me. And I'm going to I'm going to give him a listen. Whatever. He puts a lot of effort into this podcast. I'm going to check it out. Or, you know, you're really into movies. One or the other. Uh, so if you watch a lot of modern releases, you know that a lot of these movies, Transformers, Pacific Rim, uh they kind of cater to a Chinese audience, and so you may have noticed in the past 10 years movies like The Meg. They have characters that are not Chinese American, but, you know, Chinese CCP nationals. And they'll speak Chinese for a lot of the movie, even though it feels kind of shoehorned into the movie and doesn't really fit with the plot. And their whole presence feels a little weird in the movie, and that's very intentional, right? Hollywood is very catering to the Chinese market. Americans aren't as into watching movies in the theaters as they were, you know, 10, 15 years ago. But Chinese people really are. Multiplexes are a big thing in China in the past five years. They really enjoy going out to see movies. And there's certain stipulations between Hollywood and the CCP that say, if you want to show your movies here, you know, X amount of screen time has to be given to a Chinese national and they have to be speaking X amount of dialogue in Mandarin. And those movies get to be shown. And then they make a ton of movie for the American studios. And it's it's great. It's very, you know, they love it we poured a lot of movie or pulling a lot of money from that. So, if you watch Godzilla King of the Monsters, which was from 2018, there was a Chinese character who was supposed to be descendants from those twins that can speak to Mothra, and she has all the classic trappings like a lot of shoehorned Mandarin monologues that no one else seems to understand, and it's awful. Uh, and it just it just doesn't really seem to fit in. And this is aside from our conversations of of you know, representation of Asian Americans. It's just very odd and catering towards a market that is not our own. Um, and this movie didn't have that. It it swerved and pulled that character out of it. But it did take place in Hong Kong and had a lot of devastation to Hong Kong. So my thought is, by not having the Chinese character, are they saying like, hey, look at how beautiful Hong Kong is. We severed our ties. We're not going to try to cater as much to the Chinese market. we're going to show how beautiful Hong Kong is. Or are they saying hey, in trade of not showing this Chinese character, we're going to fucking destroy Hong Kong and show the consequences of not having a Chinese character. Very long rant, but it's something I couldn't get over while watching it.
0: Oh, man. That's actually an interesting theory. That
2: was... That's the best thing we've said in this entire podcast. I think, I think Keegan conspiracy theory segment should be the end of it. <laughs>
1: yeah. We need, maybe I, it it's yeah. One
0: theory per movie from now on. I just want
2: to. Yeah. That's, that's, I think that. wow. All
1: right. right. Well, we'll answer that next week. We'll, we'll take some time and think on it. <laughs> All right. So with that, I
0: think it's time to ask my co-hosts for their, uh, their overall thoughts, their ratings of the movie. Started with Keegan for the spoiler-free section, so uh, I'm going to ask Taylor first. What do you rate this? What do you give it?
2: Sorry, I'm just thinking about the conspiracy theory still. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, give it, I give it 2 out of 10 Godzilla haunches. Godzilla is apple bottomed thick. I was <laughs> shocked watching this movie that they were allowed to put that on was rated R wasn't even rated X to get that on screen. It's PG 13. Oh my God. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So that's, that's where I'm at. Didn't, didn't love it. Pretty disappointed that, that it had the faults that it did.
0: All right. And uh,
1: Keegan. All uh, right. I would give this gun to my head eight out of ten weirdly placed chest oriented flasks from my dead wife <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay yeah so you know thinking back on it thinking about you know all we've discussed because that needs to inform my ultimate opinion um, yeah Keegan you didn't sway me at all I'm gonna give this uh, <laughs> I'm gonna say like one out of eight dummy thick gorillas
2: oh yeah yeah man
1: all right whatever you know what i will say one more thing <laughs> they seem to add this arbitrary score system as if there was multiple rounds of fights and they're like this one goes to kong where like from an outside eye it seems like every single fight godzilla just wipes the floor with kong and there's no real <laughs> like opponent until mecha godzilla shows up again not a good script by any mean but uh, I'm glad talk- that they didn't even make it seem like a level fight in any way.
2: In the ocean battle? Are you kidding yeah. me? Kong won in the ocean battle, and then he's on Wait. the ship beating his chest because he wants some more. Godzilla's in the water and still lost.
1: He pulls him underwater and drowns him. The only way he wins is because the, the humans intervene. Oh, my yeah, God. He's like a nice watch that's a nice guy. That's an asset.
2: That's an <laughs> asset.
1: Oh, my. We will never team. agree on this movie. Wait, hold on. What do you do you think we will sooner agree on this movie or come to an agreement on this movie or the prequels? This movie.
2: Oh, the prequels. <laughs> 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 no, I think the, I think the prequels because we just have so much evidence. I think we're just we're just gonna overwhelm you with reason and logic, and you're gonna be swayed. This this movie, it's all about passion for you. You just love the genre too much. You can't. You know see what? You it. know,
1: actually, in our next Patreon episode, we will have George Lucas on because God knows he has fuck all going on otherwise, right? He's picking <laughs> his belly button in Skywalker Ranch, just praying to God a low level podcast invites him on as a guest. Yeah, uh, we're gonna
0: bring George uh, Lucas you- on. We're gonna say, hey, hey. George we've got two guys here Willing to defend the prequels To the death Against a sequel fan <laughs> What do we got to do well, to get you I thought we
2: were going to ask him about about uh, King Kong vs Godzilla
0: <laughs> <laughs> Both we're, we're just going to keep him He's our fourth host From now on uh. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's so funny <laughs> Alright uh. Then we'd get some Patreon subscribers.
1: (laughs) Hank, what do we have queued up for next week? Both main review, uh, uh, Patreon review?
0: Okay, so um, I'm going to tell you what we've got for next week. Uh, But for this week, actually, we are planning on releasing our first Patreon episode. So I want to introduce that first. Um, To celebrate uh, Godzilla vs. Kong, we've decided for this first Patreon episode to have each of our hosts uh, go through their top three crossover events in movie and television. So uh look forward to us talking about what our favorite crossover events have been. Um you know, do the Patreon and you can hear all about it. It's going to be an interesting time. Don't want to give any spoilers now. <laughs> all right. And so I'm also excited to announce our next uh main episode that's going to be coming out next week. We are uh going to be reviewing a recent but not uh, brand new movie that's an independent production. It's called The Prospect. It's a science fiction thriller. Um, it's starring uh, one of my favorites, Pedro Pascal, but it also, uh, as uh, one of the supporting cast, has a friend of the podcast featured in it. And for our next episode, we are going to get to interview that friend of the podcast um, and ask him about his experience filming the movie. So uh, that is gonna be our main, main ex- episode next week. It's totally unprecedented a uh a rotating reels interview super excited for that um and then as a bonus episode for that week that will be a patreon exclusive so two in the first month of subscription we'll also be doing a mini review of the movie um that is uh, separate from the interview with our uh our friendly cast member
2: awesome i'm excited prospect i had actually uh i'd I'd seen right when it came out i got to go to thanks to the friend of the show i got to go to a a screening for like some i think family of the cast and crew um so i got to kind of see it and i was surprised when neither of you guys had seen it because it feels like right up your alley an independent sci-fi that's very well reviewed by critics come on
0: Yeah, no, I feel like I should have seen it. I saw the poster and was like, how did I not see this poster before? Um, But uh, yeah, no, so I'm really excited to see it. Uh, Keegan, have you also not seen it?
1: No, I haven't. And I've heard a lot of good things about this. I know that this was also filmed in in the Northwest. A little bit of spoiler, please don't dox us, but all three of the the hosts of Rotating Reels live in the Pacific Northwest. So very interesting (laughs) to see uh, a lot of foliage in the... uh, extraterrestrial landscapes so i've heard really good things about the movie i'm excited uh i've had this in my hulu watch list for like a year and just one of those things i just never got around to so what a better excuse than watching it with the uh horrendous gentleman at (laughs) road all right of whom i have no respect for (laughs)
0: it's fine we don't respect ourselves either So um, (laughs) with that, that's going to conclude this week's episode, our review of uh, Godzilla vs. Kong. And be sure uh, to check us out on Patreon if you're interested. Subscribe, hear what our top three crossovers are, and then uh, check us out next week for that review of Prospect.